Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of A Bit Spursy. I'm Barney. I'm Dan. And we are coming to you after the Leeds United game to talk about the Leeds United game and other topics that we have found to be interesting over the last week. Yeah, because the Leeds United game might not prove us with as much joy as we would have hoped, so it's a bit to get through. Yeah, I mean, last week I was so filled with joy coming in here to record that podcast, Uh, and this week the joy is absent. No, it was a simpler time. We were so much more buoyant. Yeah, it was a simpler time, so buoyant. Um, I feel... Bad. <laughs> I feel bad about that game. It was it was pretty awful. Yeah, there was um there was something yeah that felt really dirty afterwards mm. about it. I think as well because we'd played well the week before. Yeah. And we'd gotten our um I, it was one of those things where you're like, all right, problem solved. Mm. We're all good to go. We're yeah. back. We're playing with an expressive freedom, which we didn't have for most of the season. Yeah. Um, here we go, baby. Let's take that fourth spot. Let's exactly. go. Yeah. This is going to roll on through. Every team won't be able to handle our expressiveness, our freedom, our excellent front line, our fantastic ball winning and press resistant midfielders. Midfielder. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's like um, you look at the, um, the, you know, the upcoming fixtures and, mm. you know, the week before we're looking at we're like, oh, four wins. Yeah. All wins here. There's no tough game. Yep. Maybe Leicester at the end, maybe. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, we've probably caught them by then and overtaken them. Yep. And now if we look ahead, we're going to be like, whoa, well, there's some draws in there if we really play well. Yeah. <laughs> if we really manage to pull something out of the bag, then we might only lose one nil or a draw. So, yeah. I mean, on, on this game, Dan, we watched it together. Sorry, everyone, because uh, we have a curse to which when Dan and I watch a game together, we always lose. Yeah, the curse continues. The curse continues. And we'll take responsibility for that. Yeah, take full responsibility for that. Um, but, yeah, what what were your feelings post-game? What were the things that you, Dan, what, what did you pull away from this from this game? Um, mainly depression. Yeah, great. I think. You caught it. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. caught it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it felt so, I felt like really numb afterwards, mm. to be honest. Yeah. Uh, because it just felt like we weren't really at the races for the game. And I know we're mm. going to go through and talk about the various incidents and, and sort of what happened. But, yeah. Um, I think when Kane scored that, you know, the goal that was ruled offside, like yeah. it still felt at that stage. It was so early in the game. All right, cool. If we, if that goal goes in, okay, cool. We're feeling all right. And even once we scored that, I was like, yeah, we're, we're in this. You know, we just need another goal and we'll kind of start putting leads to bed. Yep. Uh, but then by the end of it, just seeing how, like, we just crumbled mm. and offered nothing, mm. I think that's why at the end it just felt so, yeah, like numb and empty. Yeah, like, it was so listless towards the end there. It was like the players didn't seem to believe that anything could happen. Um, we looked completely out of gas. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a depressing end. Yeah. 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 And I think you're right. And, and, and like against a team like Leeds as well, who like, you know, their strength is their pressing and their energy. Mm. Um, even watching Leeds, I find it hard to keep track of who all the players are because they're everywhere. Yeah. Like they just all keep running constantly the whole game. Like they're so much fitter than, than we are. Oh, yeah. Um, and so it was like, it shouldn't really be a surprise that, you know, as the game goes on, we tire and. We make sloppier mistakes. Mm. We've been doing that a lot this season, um, but yeah, it just yeah, it just felt really. I don't know. It was it sort of put a dent in the Ryan Mason revolution. Yeah, definitely. I, I was happy you know, enough with the team selection going into the game. Um, you know, I was excited for Son, Bale, and Kane, especially after the week before. Um, yeah, I had good. I mean, obviously, I was kind of a bit like, oh, Endemelo is not playing again. And it was, you know, weirdly when Mason was asked about him, was it a week ago? And they were like, why didn't he play? Uh, I think it was Dan Kilpatrick asked him. And um, he was like, oh, well, you know, there's lots of players, everyone trains well, but kind of danced around it. And then this week we learned that he didn't train and that he's been injured. So I thought that was that was very weird. I still don't quite believe it. Yeah, it's almost maybe, you know, this is playing into some of, you know, Mason's um, naivety and inexperience. 
in a role because I kind of also think like being a top manager, a lot of it also comes in how you handle the media. Oh, yeah. Because um, you're getting interviewed almost daily. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's just one of the things that comes with it. So it just felt really weird to mm. to have that situation where it seemed like there was this big deflection on talking about in Dombele. Um, and then it's like, yeah, he wasn't fit, um, blah, 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 blah. But then we we get to this game and you think, okay, cool. Well, he's back. He's it's not like he had a huge injury and he's been out for weeks. Mm. Um, like he's back, you know, probably see him play. Um, and uh, no, <laughs> didn't come back in. Uh, and then he gets like 10 minutes at the end of the yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. It felt very Jose Mourinho of like, you have 10 minutes, we're down by two goals. Show me what you can do. Yeah. It's like, oh, thanks, man. Go and save the game for us. Yeah. And if you don't, well, you'll miss another three weeks. Um I felt like uh, the way we set up, you know, under Jose, obviously we beat Leeds and that kind of low block counterattacking setup that Jose had for that game is perfectly suited to playing against Leeds. Um, and Mason didn't do that. And, you know, we've all been calling for more front foot football. But there are some games to which, you know, like a wrong clock is right twice a day. Like where <laughs> – is that right? A broken, uh, clock, broken clock is wrong oh, yeah. twice a day, yep, where that low block from Jose is a good move against certain teams and the big problem was when he pulled it out against teams that it was like obviously we should be attacking because this isn't helping us at all. Um, but, yeah, I felt like Mason got it wrong. We were uh, trying to pass the ball around. He hasn't been there long enough for us to be able to break through the press. Um, Son and Bale sat pretty high. We were obviously hoping to uh, – play the ball through the press, get it over to them and then get leads um, behind their back line. But what it meant was that our fullbacks were left to deal with two players a lot of the time. Uh, and we know uh, that Aurier's weaknesses and we know uh, Region has had a bit of a downturn in form. You know, he looks sort of out of sorts completely. And so I thought that was, that was not a great move. Oh, I, I agree. I think you raise a lot of good points <laughs> there and, yeah, again, we see, like, I think the Man City game. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, Leeds weren't quite as relentless as as Man City to an extent where with Man City you get that relentlessness, but you also get that extra quality. Yeah. Um, not, and Leeds are a good team, so it's not to say that they're not mm. – they don't have quality in that team, but it's not the same level where you've got, you know, elite, elite, world-class footballers pinging in crosses all the time and, exactly. and everything. Um, but, again, it's like we have one player in our squad – who is built to break presses. Yes. Um, like like Moussa Dembele. Um, you know, I love it. There's, I think on YouTube there's a, a video called like, is there any point in pressing Moussa Dembele? Oh, I've seen that. And now there's another one, which is, is there any point in um, pressing Tangi and Dombele? Yeah. Um, and he's our one player who he breaks presses. Like that's what he does. That's yeah. what he does. At an elite level. Mm. Like if you look at his complete skill set, like he's got a great um, – I think he's actually got a really good eye for a pass. Yep, I agree. Um, but his real elite thing that he stands out and the, the stuff that he does, which I haven't seen before, and I think almost – and like I'm going to duck for cover here, mm. but I think almost like his ability on the ball to like beat people and and that is better than, than um, Dembele. Yeah. Mm. Um, mm. Well, here's what I would I would say. I don't know if that's true. But <laughs> but Endon Bele does have a range of passing in the final third um, and a uh, shot on him that Dembele definitely didn't possess. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. And look, look to clarify my point because mm. <laughs> I feel like even you started castrating me for it. So <laughs> I, wanna, I don't think he's a better player than no, uh, Dembele. Yeah, yep. uh, Dembele had a lot more. I think just like. Um, it was a lot more solid defensively, yep. um, a lot more strength actually on the ball. Mm. But I think I mean in really tight spaces. Yeah. Um, like Dembele did really well, especially when he was running into space and taking on one player. Mm. Um, but this, the sort of things I've seen from Ndombele, I've never seen from a player before. Yeah, me neither. Like That's some of the turns that he – like it's ridiculous how mm. he sells players so much. Yeah. Um, whereas Dembele, he really had this nice like swerve to him where he's like – He'd always kind of get round a player, but he was always just like very much a swerve in one direction yeah. to go past. So, again, I'm not saying that he's a better player than <laughs> um, 
Dembele because you say something like that and then, you know, <laughs> yeah. online suddenly yeah. everyone hates you. down on Twitter, yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I guess what I mean is that I think he's like, he's such a unique player and he's really the only player that we have that can really, um, I think, comfortably, um, you know, beat a press. Yep, yep, I agree. And yep. he's not playing again. Yeah, I know. And the play that, that did play, which um, I thought had a pretty good game, has been uh, almost beheaded online in uh, Giovanni Lo Celso. There's been a lot of very negative chat about his game. And I like I know he did misplace a lot of passes, but so did every single player on the Tottenham Hotspur uh, team that day. Um, I thought he was at least getting the ball and thrusting forward. Um, so I was really ba- – like my thoughts at halftime were like, Lo Celso has been our best player. And then there's – all this stuff online about how he's been terrible and, you know, like he hasn't rocked up and all this kind of stuff. I just found it really baffling. Like I, I just couldn't see it. How did, what did you think? No, I'm, I'm very much the same. Like I thought that Geo overall actually had a decent game um, compared to the rest of the team. Mm. Like, you know, sure. It wasn't an incredible um, performance from anyone no, <laughs> really, no. um, on our side. But, yeah, I, I'm still a bit confused why I think, you know, there's – there's just so much hatred for Lo Celso. And like when we're talking hate, like people are saying he's like, you know, the worst player like they've seen. That he's horrible. He has to go. He's an absolutely average um, footballer. Some people were going on saying he should be playing championship. Yeah. What? Um, and it, to me, it's just absolutely insane. And mm. like you say, like, yeah, some of his passes didn't didn't come off, but he actually did seem to have some energy about him. He was trying to you know, drive forward yep. when he had possession. Um, and I actually thought the same. I was like at the end of the first half, it was like, yeah, Lo Celso's actually been trying to get us going. And even if things don't work out, if you just keep trying to get it going, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yep. Players aren't always going to nail it every single time they play. No. But as long as they just keep keep having a go, mm. um, <laughs> like I don't think you can ask for much more. No, no. I mean, I think maybe part of the uh, – perception of Lacelso having such a bad game um, perhaps is related to um, uh, Pierre get, being so out of position all of the time. Like um, he was sometimes further forward than Lacelso. He would be in the final third uh, for one of the goals. He was out at left back. Like it was, I don't know whether he, he's just like fed up or he's exhausted because he's played three trillion games this season um, but he looks like the shell of the player that, you know, started the season and having him not being positionally disciplined or being in the wrong places, I think, uh, then really negative, negatively affected La Celso's game because then he was sort of caught out when he was trying to drive forward. If it didn't work out, it looked like he'd been careless with the ball. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think with that as well, like on, um, on Pierre's positioning and, and how he was playing overall, like when the defense behind him is so shaky, yeah, and so out of position, mm. um, especially, yeah, like you alluded to it earlier that um, Reguilon is he's looking like a shell of the player that he was at yeah. the start of the season, mm-hmm. and we have to expect that to an extent because he's so young, yeah. Um, but also, it's like he's not playing with a really solid um, team around him, no, in that sense, like he's got Dyer next to him. Um, mm. who did not have a great game. And I'm sure we can get <laughs> a lot more into Dyer's game yep. on that. But I think it's like, you know, throughout a season, players are going to go through dips of form. Um, you know, Reguilon's dropped off quite a lot. But I think the issue is it's just that we've got so many players who are not playing well. Yeah. Um, where it, I think it actually then starts amplifying everyone's performances in, in like a negative way. So yeah. you notice someone's mistakes a lot more if everyone else on the team is making mistakes at the same time. Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's easy to jump all over one player and say there was this, 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 but I mean, you know, with some of the goals in mind, we're going to jump all over one or two players. So Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you've mentioned Eric Dyer. This was the worst performance from a centre-back that I've seen since uh, we had Fazio on our team or maybe Kirakesh. It was up there. It, it was up Take there. Take a pick. Yeah, it was up there with a Kirakesh performance at uh, centre back. He was involved. Uh, I mean, it's a bit harsh to say he was involved in the third goal because we were 
up the pitch trying to get another one. And then he played um, whoever it was that scored, I can't remember, um, on side. But also he just, I don't know, his decision-making for that last goal, was like, what, the, what are you doing? But then probably the biggest indiscretion or the most glaring thing that, you know, we could see watching it was when he left that cross. So, so it went into Reggion, who then sort of had no idea the ball was coming, played it back to Larice, who parries it away and then it ends up in the back of the net. Like, clear the ball. You're, you're a centre back. Clear, clear the ball. And like, on this podcast, I talk a lot about how I don't like Harry Winks. Um, so much so and that- Wait, do you not like Harry Winks? Yeah, yeah. I actually, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of Harry Winks. You never mentioned it. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm going to have to come clean. I, 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 uh, I don't like him. But <laughs> that is very like, ha ha, Harry Winks is in great in midfield. I still don't want him to play in the team. But he has never put in a performance- as poor as I believe the one that uh, Eric Dyer put in this week. It was just awful. I feel like that's the closest we're ever going to get from you giving a compliment to Harry Winks. Yep. So we need to like clip that, record it. Mm. That might be the new intro to our show <laughs> where it's you. That's that's a compliment for you yeah. <laughs> to yeah. Harry Winks. Yeah. Um, I, I agree though. Like, yeah, Dyer the, – the interesting thing though is Dyer coming out and saying – um, that he thinks a lot of the criticism is unfair towards what? him. Yeah. Um, which, like, when he came out and said that, I'm like, okay, like, I, I see where he might be coming from. Mm -hmm. I get it. Cool. But then to say that and then come out and play the worst game that he's played all season easily. Yeah. Um, it's, like, the timing is just, <laughs> it doesn't look good um, on that on that front because it's like, you know, if you're going to come out and say, hey, this criticism on me is really harsh. Um, I actually haven't been playing that badly. Yeah. Uh, you can make sure you play well next game. Mm. Like you've got to be a more focused than you have ever been Yeah. to go, I'm going to prove this mm. and really show like, this is not, um, this is not accurate. This is yeah. unfounded. Um, I haven't made that many mistakes. I'm solid. Mm. And then it just absolutely has a stinker. Yeah. And absolute yeah, stinker. in that first goal, it's like, you know, as any forward is taught that as soon as a cross goes in, you got to attack the ball. Mm -hmm. Every defender as well. Mm. You've got to attack it to then get rid of it and yep. clear it. Um, so I've never seen a player. I've seen a player maybe let things run if it it looks like it's going to be really challenging for them to get there, or if that like it looks like for them jumping up and headering and you know trying to head it out um, is going to be just a little bit too far. They might kind of let it run if it's already gone past goal. Yeah, and do that. But to see someone at the near post just turn and almost shepherd the ball through yeah for uh like that i th i think like maybe you know dyer should be g getting given an assist to leads for that goal yeah <laughs> absolutely well like i just in trying to find the rationality in in that decision making i mean maybe it's just completely absent but is he shepherding it because he's like well reese is going to come and get this has he seen region and he's like region is going to deal with this ball. I don't want to deal with it because if I do, I might put it into our own net. I just, I yeah. I would hope that just for the for Eric Dyer being a human on planet Earth, mm. that one of those things you've said would be the reason that he's left it. Yeah, if he's just like, oh, I don't, I don't know, I just let it run through. Mm. Like, if or if he's like, I don't know what happened. Yeah, then I'm like, that's a problem. Mm. <laughs> that's a really big problem. Yeah. Um. The only other instant, you know, the only other possible reason could be, you know, sometimes if you play futsal and you'll get like some some guy on the other team who's like just being a little bit of a dick and he'll call like mine yeah. when and then he'll just nip in again. You're like, hey, you can't you can't yeah. do that. You can't yeah. call you can't say mine when it's like <laughs> yeah. um but again, that's like, you know, playground rules. Yeah. Where it's like you can't say mine if you're on the other team. Yeah. Um I, I actually, I can't put my finger on it because it was so like, it was such a weird angle for him to think that Lloris would get the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Very difficult for Lloris to get the ball from there. Um, and then of course the second goal, which to be honest with you, mentally I've gone completely blank for because all I can see is Eric Dyer's face. Yeah. That's uh, the one that, so he had that header initially. I put it tried, up in the air. Put it up in the air. Yeah. And then I think he was trying to maybe head it to Reggion 
Reagan was kind of like, whoa, what? Yeah. And then that's when Leeds switched it out wide. Mm. Um, and it was actually a really good goal. Yeah. And then they worked it and then Bamford made the the um, the run into um, near post. That's right. Yeah. That's good. And it was like, objectively, it was like a really good goal to watch. Mm. Um, mm. And it was clinical and it was like, it was lethal. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and it just, it just capitalized on that mistake from Dyer. Yeah. From giving it away, being out of position and then just being behind um, from from then on, yeah, and it just sort of shows you, like you know, we we t- we often talk about we should be beating this team, we should be beating that team, but the Premier League is such a tough league, you know. Um, even if you think that you have a squad which you know should be beating a, a, a team that's below you on the table, uh, you can't make those sort of mistakes and no. not get punished. No, totally. I mean, that header though is again talking about <laughs> schoolyard games, like one of the most basic things playing defense is don't head the ball <laughs> just above, you know, like centrally, don't head it back centrally, head it out or go towards, you know, just go towards the wing and he puts it, you know, straight up, but also the direction is moving centrally, which just pretty much, it's like them crossing it back <laughs> it is, is was the function of it in the end. I am. Um, Definitely. I, yeah. I was just going to add to that. Like, mm. You know, we know to an extent as well, like, yes, we understand that the game was played in the wet for at least the first half. Yep. Um, But (laughs) I don't think actually that's really much of an excuse. Like you can maybe put down one error Mm. to something like it was a bit wet, this happened, Um, but to sort of, yeah, make a couple and just be, you know, so like there were a lot of other... um, Moments where I think Di even tried to clear it, and he just like it didn't really even get it off the ground so much, and yeah. put it back into like a kind of danger area too. So it's like it's difficult to chalk off multiple mistakes in a in a game, um, just down to bad luck. Yeah, I just can't see from him what is the redeeming feature of his play. Like with Toby, he's got the stoop, he's old, uh, he's he can't chase people back because he's too slow, but he has a still has a great footballing brain and we still see him make some good tackles. He makes good decisions when he has the ball. With Dyer, he makes poor decisions. He's slow. He, uh, from all <laughs> intents and purposes, appears not to have a particularly good footballing brain. Like w- what is the what is the feature that gets him in the team? Like, did he, shout, he seems to shout a lot. Like I, I don't know. He's I, big. <laughs> I feel like he could be um... – a bit of like maybe a bit of a coach's pet in a sense. Like maybe he trains really well in the sense of like, maybe he's always rocking up to like training. He's always ready to go. He's putting in really hard. Maybe he's a bit of a leader to some extent on the training ground, Mm. um, sort of day in, day out. So that could be, um, you know, that could be something that might be getting him in the team. Like he might get, well, you know, he might, he gets in with managers and Mm. they like him and they want to keep him and they want to, they want to play him. Like that's kind of the only thing, that I can really think of because, you know, his on-field performance, um, he's had a handful of good games this season, like some earlier with Mourinho, the cup final. Um, yeah, he was good. Well. He was good in the cup final. I'll give him that. But overall, he's he's never really shown that sort of consistency to show why certain managers, um, you know, sort of like rate him so highly and, um, you know, and, and keep playing him. Yeah, yeah. So – there's been a lot of talk on on our Twitter uh, this week about players to get rid of and, um, you know, who we need to sell and who we need to buy. And if I was to do that exercise, I would die. I would definitely, like if I had to name three players to get rid of, mine would be uh, Eric Dyer, Harry Winks. <laughs> um, Harry Winks? Really? Uh, Winks? Yeah, yeah. Harry, I would get rid of Harry Winks, uh, believe it or not. Um, and then probably... It would be then a tie between Eric Lamella, uh, breaks my heart, but Hisco and uh, Musa Sissoko. I would want to get rid of them. What if you could name three? Uh, Serge Aria. Mm-hmm. He'd probably be because I was looking in a in a in a maybe slightly different sense of um, yes, we definitely do have like Deadwood in the squad that we need to get rid of. Yes, hundred um, percent. And I think yeah, big you know, debate that was going on on Twitter was, you know, a lot of people were saying we need to sell the whole squad apart <laughs> from Kane, Son 
and that's basically it. Yeah. And so many people are like, we need to get rid of them. They're not good enough. They're not good enough. We need to get rid of this, 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 this. And it's like, yeah, no, totally. Like I think that overall there's definitely a lot of players in the squad that we could improve. Yep. Um, but <laughs> at the same time, um, what club has ever gone, you know what, let's get rid of the whole team in one season. Mm. Like I really see it as a progressive thing Absolutely. To, to move on here. And also we're at the end of like a pandemic mm. when so many clubs have been hit in a really bad financial, um, they're, they're like in, they're, they've been hit really bad financially. Yep. And they're in really bad positions right now. So right now it's not like coming up to summer, it's not like, as a, you know, the market to sell everyone and get in heaps of cash, which we can then go off and buy some superstar. Yeah. Um, so I kind of look at it in the sense of, okay, who could still retain some sort of value and really desperately needs an upgrade? So that's why I think like Aurier is someone who there would be teams who would still see some value in Aurier. Yep. Especially if they're a team, I think, that has really solid um, center back pairing mm. where they might see the positives that he offers going forward yep. as more beneficial to them. Yep. So I think that he's going to have higher value than someone like Sissoko. Mm. That's a really good point. Yeah. So, so I would sell <laughs> Aurier yeah. is basically the first one. I would sell Dyer too because I think that being English, um, even though he's not homegrown, mm. um, which also like it affects the value in the Premier League. Yeah. Because if you're English and homegrown, you are like triple in value yeah. <laughs> instantly. Um, but I could see I could see sort of a um, you know a mid to lower table team um, going in for Dyer for yeah. sure. Um, so I, I would sell him. And then the third one, it's, I don't know, to me it's a real sort of toss-up. I, I think probably Winks, like you say. Oh! <laughs> hey, I never said that I didn't agree with you yeah, on Winks. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm just, I'm just glad to sit here with a like-minded individual. <laughs> no, look, I, I think Winks is, it's time for him to go because, you know, for, uh, in his early days we often thought, well, some of us thought, um, okay, he's a young player. He's coming in. He's, he's played some decent games, um, but he needs to progress. He needs to get better. Mm. There's, there's so many you know things that he needs to improve on, and he he hasn't done that. Granted, he hasn't had as many um, you know minutes to do it, but I think we've we now know that he's never going to get to the level that we need in our midfield. Um, however, I still think that he would have some sort of value again to some sort of like mid-table team um, who would view him as, again, a homegrown um, English player. Yeah. And and the reason we're going on about homegrown English players, it's not because it's like English players are better, <laughs> but just in the Premier League, they're worth more because of the requirements that you need to have homegrown players in your squad. And yep. um, that's really the only reason why someone like Winks, I think, is going to have more value than someone who isn't English. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Or maybe a team that um, gets into the Europa League for the you know, first time and they need, because there's still a rule there, isn't it, that you must have a certain amount of players that are homegrown as well. I, th I think so. I think yeah. each competition you play in has it, but just to varying extents. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, he might have value there. I, yeah, I, I, that would be my players that I would get rid of. I wouldn't want to do a fire sale and get rid of all these, you know, like more than say more than five players. And the same rule applies for bringing players in. Like, it's not like, we can go out there and, I mean, we won't go out there and buy a stack of players or if we do, they'll all be, you know, like 15 to 20 million pound players that you're like, well, who knows? One De might be good. Def definitely. Um, and I think it's something too that, you know, the, the greater sort of, you know, overarching point here is that I don't think that we need a completely new squad next season to kind of challenge for fourth again. Yep. Um, I would argue very strongly that if we had in this season, if we had like peak Vertonghen mm -hmm. and even if we had like um, first season Trippier, yeah. um, that would represent a huge change to our back four. Mm. And if you actually look at the table, like it's, I think we're what, six, seven points off fourth now or yeah. third or something like that. Which seven, seven off fourth. Seven. There are definitely a couple of games that we can put down to having bad results from not having a commanding, um, you know, centre back pairing and defensive pairing. Mm -hmm. Definitely, Aurea has made mistakes, oh yeah, which have led to penalties, which have led to goals. 
multiple times. Mm. So I don't think it's a fast stretch to say that we would have won at least another two, three games if we had a really solid center back in there and a half decent um, right back. Yeah. Yep. So I'm not, I'm not trying to say, oh, we're going to win the title with that team. But I think moving forward, if we can bring in a solid center back next season and if we can bring in a good right back and I'm not really too fussed. Like I'm not looking for like, you know, necessarily a right back who can, you know, bomb forward, do everything. Like they don't have to be that complete sort of right back, but someone who can at least just start holding it down a little bit and give us a little bit more um, solidity in there. They're like the two positions that I would love to see addressed um, straight away. Then it, the next one would be uh, an attacking midfielder. Yep. Um, playmaker. Mm. But then you t- you, like, I, I think we're only looking at a few players for us to then get through next season, still be challenging for, you know, fourth. Um, and then again, do another refresh of these other players that we can't offload this time. Yep. Yep. Totally. I agree. It, it It's interesting to me that uh, Levy's transfer policy is buying uh, younger players at um, a low cost uh, and then in, their value increases when, you know, they play well and you've got a good coach and blah, 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 blah. And then you can sell them for a lot more money. Um, and, you know, as Spurs fans, we've complained about that in the past, that we've sold our best players to our rivals or whatever. Um, but one thing we have never done is, you know, like what I'm thinking of is like when Eric Dyer was apparently worth 50 million pounds or when Danny, when Chelsea wanted Danny Rose for 60 million pounds or even the Walker one that actually did happen, uh, we didn't do that in a way that worked for us. So, so we just didn't sell anyone because we were resisting the, um, you know, selling our best players as opposed to going, okay, we should sell him, him and him uh, at this point and then use that money to then improve the squad even further. Like we instead just, I mean, this is such a well-worn narrative to sort of let all our players decay <laughs> and now we're in a position where they're worth a lot less money um, and we are kind of stuck. We we have to do that cycle again. We have to now buy cheaper young players, hope that they come good and then do something with them when they're at that point, whether it wins something or sell them on. Um, so, yeah, it really feels like a – uh, not a great, you know, point squad wise. I agree with you that I think, you know, if we have a functional manager and make a couple of key changes like at center back and, and right back and we get a good uh, center attacking midfielder that can play those passes, um, then things can be quite different. You know, we can challenge for the top four, but yeah, it's Def- just definitely. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you. Like we have, it's almost like we've had some players in the fridge for a few years They've started getting a little bit moldy. Mm-hmm. We haven't sold them. We've gone, well, I don't want to clean that now. Yeah. Well, let's deal with it later. Yep. And then it just gets moldy and moldier. Yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly you've got to like, you know, cordon off the whole kitchen because you've got a chemical outbreak. Yep. Yep. Um, exactly. Or like uh, in primary school, I used to leave fruit in my bag and I'd be like, oh God, that's gone off. I don't want to touch it. And then it would get more rotten and smushed. And then uh, mum would yell at me. <laughs> so that's, yep. that's it. I've, I did that to a worse extent. Oh. Whereas mum, mum used to make me ham and cheese sandwiches. Yep. I think I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you're already playing like yeah. Off, off, you know, like, um, yeah. Like one more thing, yum. For some reason, I didn't like them. Sure. Um, this is when I was prep, so it would have been you know six ish. Okay. Yeah. Um, something like that. And then instead of saying, "Oh, mum, I'm not really digging the the ham and cheese," mm. um, you know, would you mind if I had something else? Yeah. Um. For some reason, and I can't explain this, uh-huh. I would come home and I'd throw them in the bottom of like my, like I had a like a closet mm. then which had all my clothes in it. I'd throw them in the bottom of the closet, like underneath clothes. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know why I wouldn't just throw them out at school in the bin, mm. but I think there was maybe something at school where like you couldn't, if like oh, teachers yeah. wouldn't let you throw out food. Yeah. You had to, so you just like, all right, I'm just going to leave it in my bag mm. and deal with it later. Yeah. Um, and then a few months later, parents were in my room and they're like, what is that smell? That is absolutely disgusting. And then they open up the closet and they find like a pile of like 20 Ooh. like mold, like moldy, Ooh. like ham, um, and ham and cheese sandwiches. Yeah. And I think now this is kind of the metaphor that yeah. you're talking about. That is it. Yep. To bring it back uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> for what's happened to our squad. Yep. And we're just full of moldy ham and cheese sandwiches now. Yep. Mm-hmm. But 
where the metaphor breaks down is like in that instance, you get rid of all the mold, multi sandwiches. Mm. Whereas here, I don't think we can get rid of all of them. Yeah. We can get rid of like a, a few at some. a time. <laughs> yeah. The most moldy we can get rid the of. The most moldy we can get rid of. Yeah. Or, or no, yeah. the ones that aren't moldy. Yeah. Or the, sorry, the ones with the least mold. Yeah. Um, and thank you if you're still listening through this. <laughs> <laughs> the ones with the least mold. Yeah. Uh, because they've got a higher value mm. to someone else yeah. outside. To consume. To consume. Yeah. Great. I that's, get that. That's the transfer strategy uh-huh. uh, in a nutshell. So we then, the most moldy sandwiches, I just want to keep on going with this now. We are just hoping that the problem either reverses itself or just they just disintegrate into nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think that's the that's what's probably going to happen mm. with some of these moldy sandwiches. Yep. Um, you know, or maybe once you've, you know, if you've already sold all the all the nice, mm. less moldy ones, yep. you get down to what's left mm. and then some other people are going to be like, well, I still want a sandwich. Yeah. So in, I can't have that one because they're gone. I can't have that one because mm. that one's gone. I'll take that really moldy one yep. um, and send the sandwich to Belgium. Great. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Yep. So you pack it up. to. Or this is my other theory. The sandwiches uh, get so moldy and so filled with bacteria that they create their own uh, bacterial culture or mold culture, right? The the molds <laughs> and bacteria I'm talking about here are uh, the youth teams and younger players. And what happens is those players, we, we realize they're beyond selling. So we bring them into the youth squad to further develop our bacteria, young players, mm. who then become strong from feeding off these old sandwiches. I like, no, I really yeah. like this. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I guess it's kind of in a way like um, a bit like kombuchery. Yes. We're yes. trying to yeah. grow that bacteria yeah. mm-hmm. and it's good bacteria. Exactly. Yep. Good for your gut. And the gut being the youth system at Tottenham Hotspur. So <laughs> I love that. In summary here, yeah. our proposed solution is sell four or five players mm-hmm. if we can. Yep. The rest of the players that need to go, mm. move them down into the juniors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just have grumpy players <laughs> who are now being told to train with the youth team. Yep. Yep. Um, and then that's the solution here. That's the solution. Until yep. the sandwiches disintegrate and then... Go, mm-hmm. which I guess is what happened before when we've had players train with youth teams. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like we don't want you anymore. Mm. Go train with them and run out your contract if you want, but we're not yeah. doing it. It all makes sense now. Mm, it all makes sense. Steve Hitchin, if you're listening, you've got competition yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for your spot on transfers. We could take that job now. Yeah, we could. We've got. We've got it. Um, <laughs> now that we've. Uh, exercise that demon, which uh, I'm really glad that we did. I feel I feel better. Um, it's now time to battle another demon, and that is uh, VAR. And the decision, uh, the second goal, which was called offside, Harry Kane's goal. And when looking at the VAR, it was so tight. I have no idea how you could determine uh, on or offside. Um, so I... One of the big things for me in this is uh, in psychology, if you're measuring something with um, some kind of questionnaire or measure or observation or whatever we're doing, um, we uh, use statistics to decide that there is um, inherent error in whatever our outcome is. So say I'm measuring you on how extroverted you are and you get a score of uh, six, um, which is very low. (laughs) You would be very introverted. Um, uh, I would say that there is an error term there um, that accounts for all the other factors that I'm not measuring f- for in my survey. Um, and it is affected by that, by however much I decide. Then I also have confidence intervals to which any score between a certain range, I can be confident, like any score within this range, I am confident as classifying as this thing. So in the uh, example of, offside, um, the, my error terms could be the angle of the camera, the camera frames, uh, the eyesight of the person working in VAR, how tired they are, um, how well they understand the offside rule. And then my confidence intervals are how close the lines are. Uh, and if they are uh, not within a certain threshold, I can't make any decision because they don't fit within the way that I can uh, confidently say that the model or, uh, the offside works. 
I don't understand how it can be so close and the person in VAR was able to make a competent, confident decision as to whether this was offside. That was a long run. <laughs> that was great. I love the scientific breakdown of basically saying, I don't know how they can make that call. Yeah. No, which is great because yeah. like it's it's all accurate because I would have been like, yeah, I don't know how they can make that because of this and this, but you're 100% right. It's like it seems like all these variables are not taken into account yep. when they make it. And what I heard somewhere before was, and you never know, you know if, it's, if it's accurate, but I'm pretty sure it is, is that they say that at the in when they're measuring VAR things in the control room, mm. they actually have it more pinpointed than what we see on the screen. Right. And that it's like one pixel for whatever. And then yep. to make it legible on, not legible, but to make it visible on yep. screen um, and easy to see, they blow it out to like 10 pixels. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, this is not trying to say go in favor of VAR, mm-hmm. but it sort of shows me like if you're trying to be like that specific to something mm. and you can get a call like this, which to the naked eye, I honestly think looks onside. Yeah. I don't know how the linesman has called that offside to begin with. Yeah. Um, it just seems like they're not taking any of these variables into consideration and they're so trying to be like pinpointing to this specific frame that they have and then trying to work out like if they zoom in so much on that frame, you're not going to get, you know, an 8K resolution image where you can perfectly see the exact end of Harry Kane's toe yeah, and then that of the defender's heel. Yep. Like so it just seems absurd mm. that there isn't this range um like you say where you can go hang on there could be a little bit of error here so we need to allow for that mm. like if you get a speeding fine yeah there's that three three k difference yeah <laughs> you know where yeah. they they go you know what we're not 100 sure if you're going over mm. 60 so you're fine yeah um but i i think these are the sort of calls which uh you know are the most problematic ones yeah um I almost think as well in this instance, because the linesman did call it offside, mm. a part of me feels like VAR, you know, don't maybe necessarily want to overrule that. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't, I'm not saying that they're 100% sitting there going like, we can't overrule the linesman. But I think in their mind, it's already being flagged as offside to them. Yeah. So even when they're checking it at a subconscious level, they've already seen that as offside. Yeah. It's not that they're going into it fresh going, oh, could it be offside? Mm. Let's check it. Mm. And so I think that kind of like confirmation bias comes in where yeah. they're like, well, yep, yeah, no, we've, we've confirmed that is correct. Yeah. We thought it was offside initially. It is offside. Yeah. Yeah. We cannot disprove that the linesman's call was wrong, you know, like, yeah. and we're going in trying to find evidence uh, to like not disprove him, but rather uh, shore up his call. Maybe it is what's happening. The other thing is like if they do, they may very well have error terms and confidence intervals for how um, much they think that they can accurately um, make a decision on this kind of thing. But though that information isn't uh, accessible to the general public, uh, much like I had no idea that what they did, you know, in the the lab, the, the control center, whatever it is, uh, is is slightly different to what, and that makes sense to me. But also, that's not clear if they do that, and if they if they could be more transparent with the processes used in that room, I think that would make things a lot easier to take, or at least you would be like, okay, so this is what they're doing, and I understand somewhat how they've made this decision. Because at the moment, it seems like uh, the referee makes a call. And then another referee in a box somewhere else watches it and then from watching it just makes a call as well. Um, and so like the fallibility of – or the fallibleness or is that a word? I don't know. But of, of, the, uh, of the decision that's made is still so affected by human error, which is what VAR is sort of supposed to correct for. But you can't do that if the person making the, the call is also a human being. So definitely. Yeah. And, and also look, uh, and on that point too, it's like, I know you mentioned it at the start that, you know, frames of the camera. So in the sense that, um, you know, whatever these are being shot on all these VR, VAR angles, yep. none of those cameras are super slow-mo, you know, 120 mm. frame a second cameras, which are picking things up. Yeah. So between one frame and the next, there is room for that to be incorrect mm. as to when exactly contact was made with the ball yep. and when exactly a player's toe like it passes where a defender is. Yeah. Um, 
And that's just a basic video thing. Mm. Like that's not something that you need to like <laughs> look at it and and really try and work out. It's yeah. just a basic thing. You can see when they go through it slowly, it jumps ahead mm. frame by frame. It's not this really, you know, IMAX film yeah. sort of quality slow-mo that you can really play through mm. and get this exact thing. So I think this is where it all comes in is that even if they do have, you know, th this technology which is more pinpointed back in the control room, yep. they're trying to be too specific um, on something where they can't actually, they can't achieve that. Mm. And it's really like muddying muddying the results massively. Yeah. And the more I look at this Harry Kane one, I'm, I don't go, yeah, actually, you know what? He's offside. Yeah. You know, it's onside. Mm. Also where the defender's body is. Yeah. There's no question that the defender's body is further back than, than Kane. It just goes down to like his, his toe ahead of the guy's heel. Yeah. And I almost think that if they just keep ruling like this, like it takes a lot of, um, you know, that excitement out of the game. Because we really need to favor the attackers. Absolutely. In this, we need yeah. to like encourage attacking play. We need to encourage them to try and break the line and get through, score goals. Because mm. like the game for an entertainment, you know, purpose is scoring yeah. goals and having really nice um, attacking, um, energetic football. And especially in the Premier League, which is like, what's the Premier League's strength over other leagues? It's like, it's not that it's a really sort of like um, as tactical or slow and technical as some of these other leagues, even though I, you could argue that, you know, to do things at a higher um, speed re requires more technical ability. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the Premier League thrives on that excitement mm. and that enjoyment and, you know, having these games which really start opening up and teams are going for it, they're attacking each other, um, you know. And if you if you just keep going like this, like it's going to make the game, I think, more, um, more defensive because defenders are – sorry, because attackers are going to be less – likely to to keep making these runs, keep trying to break through. Um, or even if they do, we're just going to get this stop-start thing where it's like every single thing is checked and, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, we're up. Oh, no, we're not. Uh, okay. Mm. And I think the momentum shift that that causes in a game is way more disruptive than overall if officials sometimes get something wrong. Yeah, yep, I agree. I totally agree. And I guess in this situation – you know, the linesman did call it offside. So if that was offside, we would just be complaining that the linesman was wrong. But it's easier. It's like I, reflecting back on pre-VAR times, you'd be annoyed, but you'd be like, well, there's nothing that can be done with a VAR it exists so that something can be done about these kind of situations and it continuously fails to do anything about them. Um, we've seen, you know, red cards and offside goals and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like it's been done to death. What I find interesting um, from what you said is this idea of, you know, the Premier League is when it was brought in and, and like the idea of the um, European Super League, the idea is this entertainment package, right? That they can make money from advertising. They It's, it's all about the entertainment value of what's being seen. And it's almost, you know, counterintuitive considering the Premier League was created um, to be this entertainment product that this thing now exists that reduces the entertainment value. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I guess as a solution, I, I did like uh, Daniel dad gaffer's call about uh, just going as far to say that like, it's got to be daylight between the, the attacker and the defender. And because if the attacker is leaning forward to make the run and then they get called offside for leaning forward, it's like, what are you taking away from the, what are you giving to the game? What are you taking away from it? I would say that you're taking away more than you're giving. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And you're right. And it's like, we should be rewarding if, if someone can stay, you know, most of their body on side, but they're leaning forward and they're, they're making that really split second early run, mm. reward them for that. Yeah. Not always just doing now on the side of the defense. Yep. Out of, it's almost like a fear-based system now of like, we don't want to get a call wrong. We don't want to get a call wrong oh my God, the worst thing would be would be that we let a goal go through that should have been offside. Whereas it's just completely overcompensating now. Yeah. Um, and also it's ridiculous to go like, okay, any part of the player's body. I know in this Kane, they're, in this, um, Kane one, they're ruling like with his toe, which yep. genuinely he scores with his toe. Yeah. But in other instances, they're like, any part of the body you can score with has to be like behind the defender. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, 
I think we talked about this like previously. Like, how many times does a player like shoulder in a goal? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. how many times does a player chest in a goal off mm. one of their pecs? Yeah, like it's ridiculous. It never happens. Mm. So, like, let's just start. You know, just getting back to like, you know how how the game was before VAR, mm. and it was you didn't have these things. You didn't have these stoppages. You just you just had the the game was a lot more flowing. Yeah, and you, if if it wasn't called offside, you could celebrate a goal as a fan. And actually, be really happy mm. and experience that joy. Whereas yep. now, every single goal that's scored, it could be the most clear cut goal. I can't celebrate. Yeah. I, I sit there and I go, okay, well, we know now they're mm. going to check something from like, you know, 20 seconds ago. Yeah. And it just like, you just can't, there's no joy in that. Like, no. it used to be such a joyous experience when you'd see like Kane get outside the box and then just put it absolutely top bins yeah and you just lose your marbles yeah but now it's like wow great shot well let's check if there was you know Mm. touch someone's finger Mm. (laughs) like a minute beforehand yeah um so i'm i'm not for it i'm also not for it because i think it, it it makes the game different at different levels yes so whereas previously it's like you know a game that was played in a world cup um final versus a game that is played down the local park Yep. Pretty much the same. Mm. Obviously different quality <laughs> officiating. Yeah. But there's no like technology which was there to sort of um to sort of change how it's played. Yeah. So it's like the same game you go out and play now is the same um that they play then. Mm. But you know they play in the top stage. Yeah. So if we go on the weekend and we go down and have a kick, <laughs> like if we've got one mate standing on the side just filming it on his camera. And then trying to like go back for VAR for <laughs> yeah, all these decisions. Yeah, yeah. Like what's that's going to be like, you know, that's horrendous. Yeah, yeah. It's terrible. It sucks. Um, I hope it's gone. <laughs> I don't think it will. Um, we also uh, on our agenda need to decide on the uh, a bit Spursy medal <laughs> that we've decided to run for the last five games of the season. Starting from last week. We forgot to do it last week. Um but we will do it now. Well, also, I mean, yeah. technically we didn't forget. We forgot to do it on the show last week. But we did do it. But we did do it. Yeah. <laughs> we did have votes. That's true. So, yeah, I think we should go back first. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is a very prestigious award. Yeah, it is. Yeah. The Bitsfersey Medal for yeah. the the best player mm-hmm. over the last five, five games, games. <laughs> of this season. Yeah. Next season, we'll well, st- depending on how well it goes, we'll probably start at the start of the season. We'll probably start with the first game. But we could have... Maybe in a sense we could have next season two different medals. Ooh. So we could have like the legacy medal yeah. system, mm. which will be the, the last five games of next season. Oh, so wow. that's honouring the legacy system we've got now. Yeah. And then we can have the expanded. Full you know, season. Full season one Standard as well. thing that standard, you might expect from you know, a medal. For the young fans. Yeah, yeah. Who yeah. just want entertainment the whole season yeah. long. <laughs> exactly. But they can't sit still. <laughs> <laughs> they can't. Uh, yeah. So, all right. So- the legacy version of a bit Spursy medal. Yep. Versus Sheffield. Yep. Um, actually, we should probably run through like how this is going to work. Oh yeah, of is course. Each game. Yep. Uh, Barney and I we're going to uh, come up with votes. We're going to give uh, three points to the player we think was the best. Yep. On the team, two points uh, to the player we think was second best. One point to the third best. Uh, we've also got half a point to give out as more of an encouragement award. Uh, so that player doesn't necessarily even have to have a good game. Just could be something that happens and yep. you want to give them that. Yep. Um, we're also allowed to take away points <laughs> as well <laughs> if we think someone was really poor. Yep. Um, so it's a kind of a free system. <laughs> it's a bit of a lawless system in a sense, but um, that's kind of basically how the voting, voting will work. Yep. Um, if anyone has a problem with it, then, I mean... Mm. Start your own medal. Start your own medal. Um, we will also put up a poll uh, on Twitter where we will list players that we shortlist ourselves and uh, you can vote for who you think should get the Abitsbursey medal. Um, I think what we could do is like maybe yeah. for, for each game, mm. once we've done our votes, yes. we would get the top three from the players we voted for. Yep. We can then put them up yep. on, on the Twitter as a poll yep. and then that is like a bonus point. Great. For the fans, great to vote. I like that. For that. So I like that, that a lot. That yeah. comes in. So great. That's another thing we need to work into. Cool. The That's another thing. Great. That's awesome. How did we decide about taking? Is, is it once per um, a bit Spursy medal run? We're allowed to take away points from a player. Uh, 
So wait, so a player can only lose points once? Or we're only allowed to use that executive rule once? Or are we just, can we just do that whenever we want? I think whenever we want. <laughs> because yep. after the Sheffield game, I probably would have said, yeah, Barney, that's a good idea. Let's just do it once per yep. per thing. It's like a real wild card. But mm. after the Leeds game, yep. I want to take away some damn points. Some points. All right. Um, should we get into it? Yeah. So we'll start with Sheffield. Yeah. Great. Okay. So uh, Barney, yep. uh, would you like to give us your votes for Sheffield. Okay. So I'm going to give uh, three votes to Gareth Bale because he scored a hat-trick. Um, uh, well done, Gareth. I'm going to give two votes <laughs> to Serge Aurier because he got two assists. And during this game, because he didn't have to defend, he was a very useful player. And I'm going to give uh, a single vote to uh, Min Sun uh, for his fantastic finish. Great. Any encouragement award Oh, votes? encouragement award. Um, I'm going to give uh, my encouragement 0.5 award to uh, Giovanni Lo Celso um, because uh, I think he's a good player. He cops a lot of hate and I thought he was pretty good in this game. Great. Thank you, Barney, for your votes. No probs. Dan, what are your votes for Sheffield? Um, you've kind of stolen my thunder because these are pretty similar. Oh. <laughs> so, that's all right. That's all right. Yep. We need to go through the process. Uh, I'm giving three votes to Bale. Yep. One for each goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, really great um, composed performance. Yep. Uh, two votes to Serge. Hey. Because I think it's very easy to hate on Serge when he does, uh, you know, when he plays poorly. Yep. Um, and But I think if you're going to do that, you have to acknowledge when a player plays well. Yes. And – Two assists, uh, played pretty solid in that game. Wasn't really challenged that much, but I think worth the two. Yep. Uh, I'm going to give one vote to Delhi because mm-hmm. I think it was nice to see him back in. Yep. And I thought he did try and get things going yep, a little I agree. bit. Yeah. Um, and again, this is the Sheffield game we're talking about. Yep. Um, and yeah, my encouragement award, uh, half, a, half a point goes to a Geo for getting his face absolutely stamped on into oblivion. Of course. And no punishment being received. So he's getting half a vote for that. Great. So they are my Sheffield votes. Excellent. Do you want to roll on and say your uh, votes for the Leeds game? (laughs) Votes for the Leeds game. Yeah. All right. This is a bit more challenging. Yeah. Um, Okay. Votes for Leeds. Mm -hmm. Um, Three votes. Mm -hmm. Hugo Loris. Yeah. I thought he made some... Pretty decent saves, even though we conceded three goals. Mm-hmm. I didn't think those goals were his fault. Yep, and I thought he actually made some really solid saves, um, and he's been looking pretty solid overall. Great. That's three votes for Hugo. Cool. Uh, two votes. I'm going to give that to Geo. Great. Um, again, like we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. I think he's uh, he 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 was getting around in that first half, and he was trying to get things going. Mm-hmm. And even though it didn't work out, um, two votes. Also, our team didn't play well at all, so. Two votes in this is not really a, a really strong two votes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a lucky kind of two votes in a sense. Um, I'm also going to give one vote to Delhi. Yep, great. Um, for the assist mm-hmm. and then also the uh, the ghost assist yeah. to, to Kane. Yep. Um, and I think, again, it's just nice to see Delhi, um, you know, back in the team and starting to try and get things ticking. Um, I don't think he should be playing full games for us at the moment because mm-hmm. his fitness isn't there. Yep. But one, uh, one vote for that. Great. Um, I'm giving the encouragement award to Son. Great. So half a vote there mm-hmm. for the goal. Um, I'm taking away some damn votes. <laughs> so I'm removing an encouragement award vote. So minus half a point for Lamella. Yep. For when the game was down, trying a Rabona <laughs> to pass it out wide and putting it straight out of bounds. Yep. <laughs> Yep, great. That has to be. Yep. Um, minus one for Serge Aurier for his role in that last goal, which is very similar to the Zagreb goal that he gave away. He got caught pressing too high up the field mm-hmm. and then just Leeds exploited all that space behind him. Yep. Came down and scored. And then I'm taking away two, two <laughs> points for Eric Dyer. <laughs> yep. One for each of those uh, involvements he had in yep. in those goals. Great. That concludes my Leeds voting. Excellent. Um, Barney, okay. who are your votes against Leeds? So my votes uh, are as such. Three votes to Delhi uh, because I was so stoked about how um, he was involved. Those assists were great. He didn't get in the ball that much, but I thought that he was a good addition to the team when he was there. Uh, two votes I'm giving to Hugo. I agree. Um, he led in three goals, but he also made some great saves. Um, 
And it's also very hard to give out votes this week. So <laughs> it's challenging this yeah. week. Uh, I'm giving one vote to Geo um, as an act of resistance against the hate that he's received. And also I thought he was pretty good and trying to move the ball forward. I was going to say, it's also allowed. We can give out like petty votes. Like yeah, if, if a player is getting criticism and we like them, mm. we might give out a vote for them. Just yeah. for um, I uh, Then on my minus votes, um, I am taking off uh, 0.5 for Lamella because he came on and did nothing apart from put the ball out um, and that was infuriating. Um, I'm going to take off um, – I'm going to skip one vote and two votes and I'm just going to take three votes off Eric Dyer. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Great. So that leaves Eric Dyer on negative five. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, also, Harry Kane hasn't got a vote. Well – Sometimes that's how it goes. Yeah, that's how it goes. But, you know, surprising that, you know, the Harry Kane team, Harry Kane hasn't got a single vote. It kind of maybe is uh, illustrative of um, how he's been the last couple of weeks, which hasn't been great. Yeah, it hasn't been great. And you know, the rest of the team hasn't been great at all. So yeah. I think we'll, um, we would be sent out to pasture if we, we, we started getting too stuck into Harry right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah but totally. this is how the Ubitspursy medal goes. Yeah. You know, you yeah. have to be performing... To get votes, and if you don't perform, you you'll get absolutely slated. You'll get slated. You'll get negative votes. So, yeah. I uh, also love as well that um, when I was giving out my negative votes to Leeds, um, I felt like you might have been looking at me, going like, "This is getting a bit ridiculous with like the negatives that you're taking yeah. away here." Mm. And then you just blew that out of out of the water. <laughs> like I'm skipping the rest. I'm giving negative three to die. <laughs> yeah, I would say to Ryan Mason, if you don't want Eric Dyer to finish on lower points than he's already on. He needs to not play. <laughs> yeah, uh, I definitely. Yeah, and look, if if Mason keeps making that call, I mean, you know, non-playing staff and not exempt from, not exempt uh, from votes. Yeah. So yeah, so he could be getting some negative <laughs> votes as well. Well, Mason's very lucky. I didn't <laughs> give him a negative one this week. That's all I'll say, um, because his substitutions in this game were shocking. <laughs> so they, yeah, there's. Yeah, actually, <laughs> part of me wants to revise the <laughs> the votes, but I've already given the votes. Yep. I can't take them back. I understand that. Yeah, um, that is maybe the one and only rule. <laughs> yeah, once the votes are said, yeah, on the recording, yeah, they cannot be taken Thanks. back. I haven't done the maths on that, so we might have to. Yeah, yeah, we'll put this up on Twitter where we the will. standings are. We will. Um, but you know that was good. It was. I felt very cathartic actually yeah. being able to give out. Um, you know, some solid votes from a game we didn't play, like, sorry, some positive votes from a game that we didn't play that well in mm -hmm. and also being able to take away some votes um, to really get back at the players yeah. who wronged us yeah. in that match. Yeah. Um, looking forward to uh, next week. Hopefully we won't have to give out any negative votes. Um, we have Wolves on Sunday night at 11 and then on the Thursday following we have Villa. Um, as always, Dan, what is your prediction for Tottenham Wolves? Uh, Tottenham Wolves. I don't know. Like Wolves are a, a, a kind of a tough one. Mm. Um, I know they've been on a bit of a downward spiral from where they were, mm. especially last season. Like that was that was tough games against Wolves. Yeah. Um, and when we played them in recent years, like remember like uh, Vertonghen's uh, header to win. Yeah, that was awesome. That was incredible. Yeah. Um, but Wolves. Ugh. Again, it's a team where you look at them now and you go, we should be beating them yeah. based on their current form and how they've been playing, but then our current form, mm. <laughs> I don't even know anymore. I'm still going to go into it positively though. Yep. And hope that this will be the game that we we can um, break our viewing duck. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say a 2-1 win. Okay, great. I'm going to, um, oh, well, I suppose it's boring if I say the same. Um, I'm going to say... But, Barney, uh, go with your heart. Yeah, well, I want to say 2-1, but um, I'm going to say 1-0. We win 1-0. We win 1-0? Yep. yep. All right. Um, I hope that we break our viewing duck. I um, hope that we put out a performance that has a bit more energy than the one we just had against Leeds. Um, but who knows? <laughs> uh, it, it could go either way. Um I was going to say as well, look, I'll take on the burden of the, the bet for this one. Oh, great. Phew. So if the um, – well, I wouldn't say few just yet, mm. but um, – okay. <laughs> not quite out of the woods. Yeah. But um, if my score for Wolves mm. is uh, correct, yep. you will sing a song for me on the next pod. Right. 
if it is incorrect, I will gladly sing one for you. Excellent. Okay, that's good. Um, which also means from last week. I have a song. The uh, collector is here. The collector is here. All right. What do you want a song about? Um, I would like a song about Eric Dyer. Sure. All right. Here we go. A one, two, three, four. Eric Dyer, I hate you. Not in a personal sense, but as a play. Uh, Eric Dyer, you're not great. Please leave and never come back. Bye, 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 Eric Dyer. Bye, bye, bye. Eric Dyer. See ya. That's the song. <laughs> That'll be sung at a White Hat Lane, I'm sure. I yeah. love that. I yeah. love that. Great. Mm, yeah. Wonderful. Thank you, buddy. No <laughs> problems. Hopefully next week I will not be doing that. Because as I do it, every part of me hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, at least draw some positives that when you do that and every part of you hurts, every part of me is filled with joy. Oh, okay. Well, that's great. I'm glad I can give. So you're doing a good service. Thank you. Well, I think that – is that us? That's us. So, yeah, we'll be back after the Wolves game. Yep. Um, to preview Villa mm-hmm. and Leicester. Yeah. Um, yeah, as we just absolutely hurdle towards the end of the season. Yeah, hurdle towards the season because we've tripped <laughs> and we're falling. That's uh, that's why we're hurdling. Um, thank you very much for listening. I've been Barney. I've been Dan. This has been a bit Spursy. Have a wonderful game night wherever you're watching it from and come on your Spurs. You've been listening to A Bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Email us at hello at abitspursy.com and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms.